welcome listeners to the next behind-the-scenes episode with Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas, and today we're interviewing Constance Melo. She, her, she's a Brazilian scholar, writer, and teacher. She graduated with a degree in cultural studies and gender studies from the Humboldt University of Berlin, Germany, and is currently pursuing a dual master's degree in English and creative writing. Her writing has been published in the Illinois Review, Fearless She Wrote, and The Ascent, and was a finalist in the Tucson Festival of Books Literary Awards. Welcome, Constance. Hi, Teresa. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's very nice to have you here. And and as I do on this, because my podcast and I get to decide what we do, we're going to start with food. And I'm going to ask you a very important question because you're here in my metaphorical house. I would love <laughs> to serve you your favorite comfort food, but I don't know what that is. So I, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite comfort food? I am very excited about this question because I, too, center my life around food. <laughs> um and I thought a lot about this question and because there are several different ways of answering it, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it a comfort food for like the winter? Is it the sort of thing you eat when you're sad? Um, but I thought about the like overarching thing and um, this is going to be like, it's going to sound like I, I planned this out because it's for like a, <laughs> a Latinx lit mag kind of thing, uh, but it's rice and beans, Uh Aha, the staples. Yeah, just like like a nice plate of rice and beans. And and in Brazil, they make it different from, I I mean, every country in Latin America makes their own version of rice and beans, I guess. Um, But our rice and beans is just like, it's very simple. Lots of onion, lots of garlic, a little bit of pepper. Um, And we eat it with like, uh, like sauteed greens on the side, like collard greens type thing Mm -hmm. and orange slices. Oh, uh, which are said to help with digestion. I don't really know how, how true that is, but it does kind of like add an acidity to the dish. So yeah, I think that's my comfort food. That sounds delicious. And I, I have actually heard that about citrus. If it's paired with, I thought it was spinach, so probably all greens. It helps bring out, I forget what vitamin. So the iron, right? I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I figured that out. One of those things I read a long time ago. So now listeners, not only is this a literary podcast, but we're now a health podcast for you. Nutrition so, podcast. Yes. Make sure you put that, that citrus with your, with your greens and then your food is healthy, even if it's, you know, boiled in a lot of pork um, fat. Yes. So, just so you know, the oranges make it all go away. That Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. That's our educated opinion. You've heard it here first. You did. So so thank you. We would I, I would love to share rice and beans with you in your way. Cause you're right. There are lots of different ways that I mean, Mexicans, we we have the red rice, you have other people have the yellow and the white, and it's it's fun to try it all. I, I will say to anybody who wants to make me food, I will take <laughs> whatever colored rice you have Definitely. and enjoy it. So just just bring it. Constance and I are waiting. Yes, so we can give you our addresses. Yes. So so thank you for sharing that. And now that we've done the most important thing, we'll get to the second mm-hmm. most important thing, which is you and your piece. Um, I would like to start just by talking a little bit of why I liked it. One of the reasons I, I you're here today and had it on the podcast. And then we'll we'll get into some questions about you. So yeah. 
I, I love the duality of this this mouth guard, like the title and the jaw locking and just this whole idea of these things so well connected that when I, I read it, I thought, oh man, that interlocks in such a lovely way. And and the piece is is very it has lots of images, but is so incredibly tightly written around that theme of guarding the mouth and what comes out of the mouth and and the mother who calls the grandmother and what may be coming out of her mouth or not. I just I loved it. So that that's why I was so happy to see it on on in my email. And I'm glad that we get to talk about it today. So thank you so much. This was a very, very personal piece for me to write. So finding a home for it, especially in this magazine specifically, has been really special. Well, I can't wait to talk about this. So let, before we do, because I, I have some definite questions about how you wrote it, let's start with you as a writer. How how long have you been writing? Um, I think I've, this sounds so, so cheesy to say, but I think I've been writing for as long as I can remember, really. Um mm-hmm. I was always very like competitive in school. And so when they had us do like little essays or like creative writing exercises, I used to be very competitive about like, oh, I want to be, I want to be the best at this. I wanted to have the best rhymes. Um, And I was always very aware of myself when I was, when I was doing any kind of writing. Um, And then when I was about eight years old, I think I, I got into a big phase of writing my own songs, especially mm. because I used to watch like high school musical religiously <laughs> back then. <laughs> um, and I got into a phase of writing my own songs and uh, my godmother who lives in Argentina, she was visiting me um, and I showed her some of the songs and she was so inspired that she later sent me like by post this like beautiful blue box that she made that had like a little inscription on top uh, saying Constance's writings. Oh, uh, yeah. That's and, nice. Yeah. And, and she was like, please keep writing. I really want to support this about you. Um, and then ever since then, like it's where I've kept like journals, any kind of writing that I did um, was in there. And then uh, when I got to my undergrad, um, I went like a very like academic route. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I forgot my creative writer side for a little bit and uh, rekindled with it a few years ago, uh, which has led me to then pursue my my MFA in creative writing. Um, Yeah, and I'm very happy that I was able to rekindle this this connection that I have to writing, uh, not just in an academic way, but also in a creative way. Yeah, it seems like you went all in with the the dual master's degree because that's that's pretty intense to have two at yeah. once, and and you're you're getting sort of both sides of that with the English and and the creative writing. Yeah, I don't know when you sleep, but um. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I, I ended up like I, I'm I'm going to be studying for a lot longer than people usually do in their master's, so it's like a three year program, which is mm-hmm. why I'm able to do uh, two degrees. And ah, that's how you're it, sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, cause it can be really intense, especially because I, I obviously work at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is intense, but I'm happy that I found a way to explore both my passions, both like a more academic sense of the written word um, and also the creative side of it. And And I didn't say it earlier, but it's just so lovely that some member of your family took you seriously enough when you were eight 
to to give you that that validation of of your identity as a writer and and it sounds like clearly it's something that you you still carry with you this this beautiful blue box that she made and and having that is such a special thing just to have someone who who may not have mentored you as in write things this way think of it that way but mentored you in the way of saying yes you are this writer and you should continue with it it's such a beautiful thing yeah, it, it's also like a great privilege, you know, to be heard and to be taken seriously, even as an eight-year-old, you know. I'm yeah. sure that whatever songs I was writing weren't like high art or anything like that, but um, but being encouraged and being considered a writer even so early um, has been a, a main way in which I've maintained this connection with the creative side of me. So you sent in a poem and you're talking a little bit about how you write academically. Do you have a, a first love? Is that poetry, fiction, nonfiction? Would, or do you consider yourself a, a writer who does all of these things equally? Um, I wouldn't say I do them all equally. Um, I would say I've tried to do all of them <laughs> equally uh, to varying degrees of success. Um, I actually started off... Um, like I said, writing songs, which I think are a variation on poetry. And for people who know me like in real life, I tend to be like a very grounded, very practical person. And so when I say that I like to write poetry, a lot of people in my life tend to be surprised um, if they don't know about that side of me. But I think it it is one of the ways in which I can actually access that emotional side of myself Mm-hmm. without having to keep to like constraints of form as much as with fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. And, and you do it so well. I mean, that, that leads sort of beautifully into talking about the piece that you, that you sent in mouth guard. I would love to hear a little bit of, you, you say this is very personal is, did you start with, with wanting to articulate the idea or actually I'm not going to constrain you. Tell me your process. <laughs> But how you wrote this piece? Yeah, um, I am always afraid of this question a little bit because I feel like a lot of poets, they have like a very, very structured process where they start with an idea and then they work on these different sentences for a really long time. Um, Whereas I'm a lot more of like um, put everything down that I think about, structure it some sort of way. And then I leave it for a couple of weeks come back to it and make the adjustments that I see fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this case, it was actually because um, I was in one of my creative writing classes. Um, It wasn't even poetry, actually. We were just talking about language in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I don't know. Yeah. Like I maybe told you, I was born and grew up in Brazil and I didn't start learning English until I was 10 in school And I didn't move to the U.S. until 2018. So it's relatively recent. But most people that know me, (laughs) they always say, oh, you have like an American accent. Like, I can't really hear that you're from somewhere else. And um, I described to them how even like as a young child, like around 12 or 13, I used to watch these American television shows, especially sitcoms, like on reruns on television. Mm -hmm. And I used to practice this accent out loud, or I used to like, I used to read the Harry Potter books out loud to myself. Um, Oh, wow. 
yeah, to try to get like a grasp on the language. And I don't know exactly where this fixation of mine came from of like nailing the accent. Um, but it became quite <laughs> an obsessive practice um, to the point where now I look back and I'm like, I kind of regret that I ground this accent out of myself. Um, it's a, it's an interesting thing to hear because I, I was actually just talking to somebody, to a different writer earlier yesterday about this idea of how when you move to a new country and whether that's the U.S. or Canada or some other English-speaking place and that that urge to fit in with either comes from you or maybe the culture squashes you or some other interplay there and just that that idea of how how american are you or how canadian are you or how whatever you are so that's it's interesting to see that play out in somebody who was so young yeah it it's I, I honestly, I wouldn't really be able to tell you if it came from within myself or if it came from like outside pressures, like you're describing, it was probably a mixture of both. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And I go through this thing in, in the United States where, um, I'm very like white passing. So no one would ever think, um, I'm not from here because of that. And it's a privilege I don't take lightly. You know, I, I, I get to be invisible, in my ethnicity, I guess, um, which is helpful in a lot of situations, but can also be difficult from like a yeah. personal point of view of like my connection with my identity and my connection with my nationality. Um, yep. I feel you and, on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And I was thinking about like all these situations where I meet new people and um, they treat me one way. And because I'm white passing, because I don't really have an accent, um, they can tell that I'm not from California specifically, maybe, which is where I live right now. Uh, but they think I'm just from somewhere else in the United States, which is what I allude to in the poem. Yeah. Um, but then when the reveal comes that I'm Brazilian and that my native language is actually a different language, it kind of changes the way that people see me. Um, and not always in a positive way. Yeah. And it's that, that can be tiring. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> here we go again. And I say that as, as a Mexican whose last name is Douglas. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Cause I'm also very white passing and I'm in Canada and mm. there's that idea where someone will sort of look at you and there's that minute of wait a minute. Yeah. And, and that, or the question sometimes, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I am human. Yeah. That's what I am. Anyway. So yes, it, it's an interesting and very, cause again, on one hand, we're least likely to be the people that get targeted for police brutality. Yeah. And but again, you're also, no, that that's just, that's something that whenever I try to try to explain this situation, I really want to acknowledge that being white passing is a great privilege in the United States. Yep. It's, just, it's also a privilege in Canada. So. Yeah. Um, and it, it's something, it's something not to forget. It's also hard if you're in the middle of a group that suddenly starts talking racist <laughs> and you're like, oh, 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 this is the part where I get to tell you I'm not white. And now we all have to deal with this. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So all of that aside, <laughs> I, I thought you did a great job of, of putting that in, in this piece, this idea of, of not having the accent and always from somewhere else, from wherever it is you, you happen to be in that moment, like the East Coast or Kansas or sure, wherever. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And that that idea of, of not, well, hiding, because you're in this piece, you say your, your brother accused you of running away, and I did. I ran mm-hmm. to the United States. So there's that running the, away, but you're also always sort of in this piece alluding to the fact that you're not quite, you're not from there, you're from somewhere else, and people can't tell you where you're from. And the idea, like, yeah, uh-huh, and sort of glossing <laughs> over it, glossing over the – because it is tiring, darn it, to have yeah. to do that all the time. And and I love that that came out, especially – I mean, just in three words. Sure, I say, sure. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> that, that That's where I'm from. That that was so well done. And and even this idea of, again, of running away and, and, and having run away but not really escaping – at the yeah. same time, like the the mouth is guarded. It's almost like being being jailed in in its own way, in in a different way, because you're the mouth not rolling those R's, and and locked into place, guards. So I just hearing that that feeling of captivity while also having run away, but not because you're still connected to your family, which obviously. Is, yeah. is something that that's there. We're it's we we all have that connection, whether or not we're in a position where we talk to people um, we're related to anymore. There's that that connection is still there, yeah. and it's it's just very very lovely to see this kind of a serious topic also put together in a way where it's in the larger context of of being in a family and being away from family and in a in a country but also being from nowhere and i thought that was really well done thank you so much i really appreciate that um yeah i i have a super complicated relationship with my family as most people do um because of living abroad and um and yeah, you, you really said it all in, in the sense of like, I belong here, I belong there and in between and nowhere at the same time. Um, and so I think this poem was just kind of like a a little ode to myself almost and and this journey of, of belonging and not belonging, I guess. And yeah, just just to uh, address something you were asking earlier about the process of writing this, um, when I was sitting in that class and I said that I like ground the accent out of myself, I thought about the fact that I wear like a mouth guard to sleep every night because I have mm-hmm. um, TMJ, so like a, a problem with my jaw. Um, and because I grind my teeth and, and I was thinking about like this motion of like grinding something. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it, it destroys, but it also makes something else out of it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where that concept came from. And, and it's such a vivid one, especially this uh, grinding and unrolling. It's like you said, it's, it's an act of destruction, also an act of creation. And yeah. it's something that's smoother if, when, once it's ground. Right even yeah. if it's smaller. So that, that ambivalence 
I thought was, again, just such a superb choice to make, whether or not it was intentional or unintentional at the time that you first write it. And I have to say, incidentally, I sometimes think that when we are asked about process, that all of us are the ones that say, I don't know, man, I just made it up, right? <laughs> I, like the, and then we have to come up with a better answer because nobody wants to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute, you just made that up? I literally <laughs> just made that up. That's what That was the definition of fiction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We made that up. But even when it's nonfiction, in some ways, like that first bit is – is something that that just comes out of you and and I know that there are people that plan what they write I still don't believe that they meticulously (laughs) don't make stuff up they just make their stuff up methodically yeah I guess so I guess so so uh just in case you you people that have a very practiced um process that you can talk about we are on to you just so you know, and it's okay. You're just making it up like the rest of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, this has been this has been so so nice to have you here and and talking about this piece because I I feel like I am not going to be the only one that identifies personally with this idea because even even people that may be in the country they were born in, speaking the language that they've always spoken, who are connected in a simple way to their family can also in, in some ways have that that in-between feeling in other ways. And especially in, in different countries where you're trying to find your place as, mm-hmm. as a person of Latinx descent, it it can, I don't know, I feel like it's even in the specificity of this is something that a lot of people will identify with. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you yeah. for giving me the space to do so. It's really nice to be able to actually talk about the work that's, that I'm putting out there. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure other people are also going to want to see the other things you do because you've you've had writing in other places. Is there, do you have uh, a website or social media where folks can follow you and see what other work that you put out? Yeah, I think the best place to do that would be on Twitter at Constance underscore S-E-R. And listeners, if you don't have a pencil or you can't remember that, <laughs> it will be in the show notes. Um, if your brain is like mine, where it goes in one ear and out the other. So, yeah, mine is like that. <laughs> we'll put that in. Um, and thank you for coming. And I'm so happy to have your work on the podcast. I am thrilled to have my work in this in this medium. Thank you so, so much.